Amen. So, good morning, guys. So you see, I like um, just before I get up, I like move this sign over to the left because we have uh, we have our to my left because we have this like Advent candle setup thing, which is not ours. It's like the Methodist Church's Advent candles. And for years, I'd come in like at Christmas time, the weeks running up, and you'd see like a different one of these. If you look, if you've good eyesight, you'll see that uh, one of the candles has already been has been lit there, right on the left hand side, and uh, and. Um, I used to come in for years and not know what that was, what it was about, because I didn't, like, maybe, maybe many of us did grow up in those kind of traditions, but I didn't grow up in a tradition where we knew what Advent was, yeah? Maybe you had, like, a calendar with some chocolates in it that you pulled out one each day running up to Christmas, or maybe you put, like, a wreath on your door. I remember us doing that, but we didn't know what it was about. It was just, like, a Christmas decoration or something, and we have four weeks that are running up, and traditionally, apparently, in the church calendar, Advent starts today it's like the first week and we have four of these weeks that run up until Christmas where obviously we remember that Jesus came into the world and um, as I was thinking about what to preach in these weeks because Christmas is often it sounds like right it's going to sound weird but Christmas is often a hard time to figure out what to preach right like because it's like obviously you preach about Jesus but the implications of Jesus coming into the world are like are huge they're extraordinary there's like this extra pressure to figure out like in this in this little bit of time what's what's the best thing we can say about Jesus and um, and there's some just some good stuff in the tradition of advent that we're going to latch on to this year and we're going to spend the next four weeks looking at because each of these four candles that are around the outside the middle one represents Jesus coming as late on Christmas day but each of the other four candles are lit up in the four weeks that run up to Christmas um, and they're meant to symbolize these four things that um, are coming into the world because Jesus came into the world. Peace, joy, hope, and love. So they like the first one, remember peace. We like the second one, remember the joy that came into the world. The third one, remember the hope came into the world. The fourth one, remember the love that came into the world. And it's like as the days grow darker as we head into, into winter time, it's like there's a growing amount of light that's lit up until we remember eventually on Christmas Day the light that came into the world. And so it's this anticipatory thing. Advent literally means the coming of something, the, the arrival of something. And on Christmas Day, we'll celebrate the arrival of Jesus into the world. But in the build-up to it, what I would like us to do is to, is to look at those different aspects, at uh, peace, at hope, at uh, joy, and at love, and the difference that is made because Jesus came into the world. Now, you might think, I know, I know those things, Rob. I'm like, like, when I get the peace thing, I get the joy thing, I get love. I know we talk about those things all the time, but do we, like, do we really get them? Because they're like, they're profound and, and deep things. Like, like, and when Jesus came into the world, he fundamentally changed the way that we were meant to interact with those things, or the way that we were meant to receive peace or joy or hope or love. Like, you would think, I've been a Christian all my life, right? I literally can't remember a time when I, wasn't, when I wasn't a Christian. Grew up in a Christian home. And so you would think that 30 odd years of being a Christian, I could say, right, I've finally got it. If they're the basics that we need to know, right? Have peace, have joy, have hope, have love. Like you would, we would all agree they're the basics. You would think I'd be an expert in them by now. But if you were to ask me honestly, and you were to ask me like, Rob, this week on a scale of 1 to 10, where would you rate your, where would you rate your peace? Like, are you, are you completely at peace? Have you got peace of mind and peace of heart? Are you walking, like, in that kind of state? Or if I was to ask you, like, where would you, where would you rate your joy this morning? Like, are you full of, like, never wavering perspective, changing, hopeful enthusiasm for the return of Jesus and the establishment of his kingdom? Do you live, like, daily with that reality? Or, or do you, like most of us, live in a state where you're joyous when joyful things happen and you're sad when sad things happen? But Jesus coming into the world should change 
change the way that we interact with these things? Like, where's your, where's your hope this morning? Like, are, are you hopeful for things? Or has this year battered you around a bit? Like, did you wake up this morning with a hope in your heart? The hope of eternity, the hope of victory in Christ? Or, or, or have you just kind of, like, relegated to, like, life is, life is just going to be like this. Life is just going to be a slog. You know, like, do we, do we, do we have hope? And where's, where's, where's your levels of love at? How aware are you this morning? of the, the immeasurable love of God towards you this morning, the height and the breadth and the width and the depth of it, as Paul said. Like, how, how much of it do you know this morning so that you can reflect that out to the world? Like, so even though these four things are like the basics, like uh, we need to be reminded of them because they don't come naturally. I'll give you a little preview of where I'm going to get to because I want to pray um, that God would do this. Jesus says at one stage about peace, he says, like, he says to his disciples, John 14, he says, my peace I give to you. He says, I don't give as the world gives. And the peace that I have to give is different than what the world has to give. And the reason I introduced that before I pray is, like, I can say all the best things here this morning. I could, like, try and convince you intellectually. But, but ultimately, because Jesus came into the world, peace that we're going to look at this morning is something that, that Jesus says he, he gives to us. Not something we, we figure out. Not something we, we cultivate. Not, it's something that we receive from Jesus. And so... Jesus, I just, um, I confess that uh, this morning that I can't give peace to anyone. And uh, my words can't bring peace of mind or peace of heart. But, uh, but your word can. And not only can, your word, your word does. And you, the word made flesh, said that, 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 uh, that you wanted to give us peace. You're the prince of peace. And, and so I pray over, Lord, even hearts, even this morning before I preach, Lord God, that if there's something in us that says, like, I'm, I'm living in a way where I'm, I'm not at peace. I know I'm not. That there would be something in us that just says, I want it. And, uh, and if you're offering to give it, I, I grab it with, with both hands. And I want to know how I take a hold of this peace that you have for us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do more than, than, than words can say. You would do more than good messages or anything like that can convey that, that really we need something that's not like what the world has to offer. We need something that comes from you. So I confess my dependence on you. We confess our dependence on you, Lord, and ask that you would give us your peace this morning in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're doing, um, starting, starting next year, we're going to be doing this, this project. If you've seen me preaching over the last couple of while, I've been using a lot of videos from these guys called The Bible Project, who's like this animator and a theologian who got together and they've started this like animation firm where they discuss like deep theological things in, in podcasts and then they whittle that down into like five minute videos that help to communicate good ideas. And next year, what we're going to do is we're going to read through the whole of the New Testament together as a church. Yeah, I want to give you a head up, heads up. That's what we're going to do starting January 1st. We're going to begin, I think, in the book of John and and start to work through the New Testament. Did you know there's 260 chapters in the New Testament and there's 260 weekdays in a year, right? So you read just one chapter of the New Testament every weekday and we'll get through the whole of the New Testament in a year. If we read two or three Psalms at the weekend, we'll also get through the book of Psalms in a year. And the idea is that we all read it together. What's going to be preached from the pulpit on Sunday mornings is going to be based on the five chapters and two or three Psalms that you have read in the past week. What's going to be spoke about in small groups and discussed in community is going to be the five chapters that you're reading through the week. What we hope you're going to do is get involved with Facebook groups and WhatsApp groups and be messaging one another and encouraging one another in the scripture and that we go on a journey on scripture and community together. And as a part of that, there's the Bible Project videos that they have made where they have introductions to all the books and the themes and the topics of the Bible that will help to equip you as you're reading that. And I'll explain more about that in the weeks to come so that we're all ready to go on January 1st. Um, but as a bit of a like preview of that, we've been using some of the Bible Project videos here. Remember when we spoke 
spoke on Temple and we showed one of them and we spoke on some other things and showed one of the Bible Project videos. This morning we're going to speak on peace and they've done an excellent little video which is like a word study on the word peace, three or four minutes long if you turn your attention to the screens and that'll set us up for what we're going to look at this morning if you want to hit play. Jake or Patrice or whoever's down. The word peace is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is erene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. It's like Job who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. In fact, that's the basic meaning of shalom when you use it as a verb. To bring shalom literally means to make complete or restore. So Solomon brings shalom to the unfinished temple when he completes it. Or if your animal accidentally damages your neighbor's field, you shalom them by giving them a complete repayment for their loss. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't just mean they stop fighting, it also means they start working together for each other's benefit. This state of shalom is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate, and it rarely happened. So the prophet Isaiah, he looked forward to a future king, a prince of shalom. And his reign would bring shalom with no end. A time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that's been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Irene. Remember, that's the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others, like when he said to his followers, my peace I give to you all. The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the Apostle Paul can say Jesus himself is our Irene. He was the whole complete human that I am made to be but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience and bearing with others in love. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things in heaven on earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. So peace takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace. So that's that peace, shalom, irene. That's the, the, the final word on that video. It said true peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's our lives, our relationships, 
or our world. Now that's a that's a big picture, right? That's a big that's a big topic to try and like fit into the next 15 minutes or whatever I have left to speak this morning. So we're going to need to like narrow that down a little bit. And my temptation, right, my default is to is to talk about being peacemakers in the world. You remember Jesus opens with the Sermon on the Mount and all the blessed are, blessed are. And one of them is like, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. They shall be called the children. Of God, this idea that 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 we're called to be extenders of God's peace in the world, and not just peace as in like absence of war, but the fullness, the wholeness of what was meant to be in creation. I think that's that's mind blowing. Yeah, it's incredible that 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 we're given a purpose. Everybody knows that the world is broken. Everybody knows the world is messed up. Everybody is annoyed about it. Everybody is frustrated about it. But we're not meant to be the people who just resign ourselves to saying that's the way the world is. And instead, the people who are the children of God, Jesus says, are the people who are going to go and make peace, extend that shalom, extend that arena uh, to the world, that we're meant to be peacemakers. But I think if I was to preach on that this morning, that would be putting the cart before the horse because if we're, if we're to go and want to go and try and make peace, well, I think, I think we need to start by, by being at peace within ourselves first, yeah? We need to, to actually know what it is to walk in peace ourselves. And if we want to know what it is to be at peace within ourselves, I think we also need to know what it means to be at peace with, with God. And one of the incredible things that Jesus did is he says that we don't often talk about it in language like this. You know, when we, we share the gospel with somebody, we're not often going to say to somebody, guess what, you're an enemy of God. You're, you're like at war with God. But that's, that's the way the Bible describes us outside of Christ. And it says that, that, that Christ broke down the, those walls of hostility, that he restores relationship. In, in uh, Corinthians it says that he reconciles us to God. We're reconciled. We're not at war with him anymore, but we're made one with him and, uh, and reconciled to him. And then trying to find, how do we find like peace within ourselves? Because, I'm, look, I'm just convinced. I just know that we need it, yeah? I, like, I know because I know anecdotally in my own life, I need it. Most of us probably couldn't put up our hands and see that definition of peace that was there, right? To be, to be whole, to be fulfilled, to be complete. How many of us could put up our hands this morning and say, and say yeah, that describes my life. Everything is whole, everything's complete, everything is working together well, everything is, is going the right direction, everything is like cohesive. Like there's a guarantee there's some aspect of your life. Maybe it's every aspect of your life and your life's in chaos. But or maybe you have like like ninety percent of stuff going right and you're like, Well just if I could get the job situation done or the financial situation, or just if this person wasn't causing me this hassle, or or just if, what if, what if? You know, there's always we're always like slightly out of kilter. And uh, the biblical concept of peace is one of wholeness. But do you ever, it's just betrayed in our language that we don't have that, that wholeness. Do you ever ask somebody how they're doing and they, like, nobody ever replies, oh, I'm whole, I'm complete, I'm fulfilled, I'm good. You ask people how they're doing and the language is like the opposite. The language we use in Dublin is like, I'm in bits. Yeah? Like instead of being whole, it's like I'm fragmented, I'm in bits. Or how are you feeling? I'm shattered. Again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not whole. I'm in, when we don't have any money, what do we don't say? We don't say I'm poor, we say like I'm broke. It's like we, we understand that there's something missing unless all of these pieces are, are, are aligned right. And, and the truth of it is that how many of us know we've lived life long enough to know that all the pieces never align right for us to be able to say, right, everything is going perfect. Everything is like all our circumstances are aligning to bring us into this place of peace. And so if Jesus holds out that we can have this peace, my question this morning is why, why, don't, we, why don't we have it? 
And my proposal this morning is that we can actually be at peace because of Jesus coming into the world. That that's not just some aspirational thing, but, but that's a reality. We can be at peace this morning because Jesus came into the world. We celebrate this Advent, this coming of Jesus into the world. We say that we can be at peace, that we don't have to accept as inevitable, as just the way life is, that we're going to live in this disjointed kind of way. It's possible for us to be at peace. They alluded to it in the video, but the prophet Isaiah, Jake, if you want to switch to the next slide, prophesied this. The prophets prophesied like that there was a one day, like, like they recognized the world is in bits, that God has tried to take this people and he's tried to form, form them into a people who represent them and it's not really working out. But we have to believe that someday God is going to do something and he prophesies about Jesus coming into the world and he describes him like this, for unto us a child is born. Yeah, we remember that at Christmas. Unto us a son is given and the government shall be on his shoulder and in his name shall be wonderful. Count the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and then the last one, the Prince of Peace. That he says, someone is going to come into the world that's going to be a prince, an authority figure, somebody who has, like, who, who has control over things, and he's going to be a prince who brings peace, peace the, the king of, of shalom, the, the prince of, of wholeness, of fullness, of restoration. And uh, and at Christmas, we remember that. Also in the Christmas story, next slide, Jake, we remember that, that angels appeared to the shepherds in the field. And uh, I was reading this this morning. Look, it says, Suddenly there appeared with the angel a great multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Somehow these shepherds are sitting in a field at night time, and like the heavens open, and they have this vision of angels like worshiping God. They get to see heaven, and they see him praising God. And what are they praising God for? Because Jesus has been born. And here's what they say. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. The things that they land on is like God is going to get glory right in the highest because he's after bringing peace to earth. Because Jesus has come, peace has arrived on earth. He's letting the shepherds know, lads, things have changed. Peace has come. Shalom has come. Wholeness has come. And so the shepherds set off trying to find Jesus. Later on in the story, I opened up with it before I prayed, but Jesus says this to his disciples. Um, the next slide. Um, he says, peace, I'll leave with you. He's talking about when he's going to go to the cross and, and, and it's like this great discourse with his disciples. And he's like, peace, I'll leave with you. Like I'm giving you peace. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Like Jesus is saying, I have a peace to give you, right? That doesn't come in the way that you think peace comes. Yeah? Because we, we all have our own like strategies. We all have our own way of thinking like how we're going to get peace. And usually it doesn't involve God. So like, like what's our default? We're just pragmatists. Yeah? Like if I'm, if I'm stressed out about something, what do I do? Do I turn to the Lord? Maybe I do if I'm mature in the Lord. But more often than not, here's what I do. I just try and remove the stress. I'm just like, what's the problem? Try and solve the problem. We don't have enough money. Okay, we need, to, we need to save more. We need to be more responsible with our money. Or we need to earn more money. Or we need to whatever, you know? I'm in conflict with someone and it's wrecking your, your head space, you know? It's like eating your lunch. It's like there's a twist in your gut about it. And you're like, all right, I just need to distance myself from that person. Or, or we, no, I need to go into it and we need to like have some conflict. We need to figure it out and work it through. Like we're always like trying to figure out the way to find peace. We just need a bigger place to live, yeah? If we just had a, a better space, if we just, man, that car is wrecking my head. If we just had a, a better car, that other thing is robbing my peace. That person is robbing my peace. Like, we, we, we find all of these things, and our default is just to come up with a strategy to, to, to get rid of them, which usually just involves us doing something 
ourselves. I'll cut that person from my life or I'll escape from all of this or I'm just going for a drink. I just need some space. I need a holiday. I need to. We look to all of these things to find peace, always striving for something. But how many of us know that that just doesn't, it just doesn't work? Like, have you ever managed to find lasting peace by doing any of that? You might solve one solution, but what happens? Another, another, one, one situation, another situation comes up. Have you ever found peace? Here, I'll let you in on the truth. The per, like, the thing you think you need to have peace, there's somebody who already has it and they don't have peace. Yeah? The thing you're chasing after, if I just had this, then I would be at peace, I'd be fulfilled, I'd be satisfied. Somebody out there already has that and they're not satisfied. And they're not fulfilled. It's like relentless. It's unfulfilling. It doesn't work. And, but like idiots, we just, we chase it. And somehow in the middle of that, Jesus says, my peace I give to you. Like it's something that we can just like be given. Something we can just like, like take. Like something we can just receive from him. And that doesn't seem possible. It doesn't seem likely. But it is possible. And it's, uh, and it's true. Jesus offers us peace. And maybe you've had glimpses of it, right? I've had glimpses of it. I've had glimpses of, of being at peace when, when it didn't make sense to be at peace. I remember my dad, my dad was an alcoholic. Great dad for most of our lives, right? Most of my life. But in my late teens, he'd been an alcoholic and uh, addiction stuff going on before I was born. And then when I, like late teens, he kind of fell into it again. And there was a period of years where, where, where life in the house was just mental. It was like barren orders. I remember having to call the police and get him away from the house. And I remember to like bail him out of prison one time. Like all these sorts of mad situations. And I remember turning to Patrice at one stage and, uh, and talking to her. I'm like, Patrice, do I just not care or something? Because like, I was just at peace. Like, there wasn't, like, stuff should have been massively stressful. It should have been, like, depressing or it should have been tough. But there was just, like, a, a peace. There was just something there that, that, didn't, that didn't make sense. Like, that it was hard to understand why I was at peace. And I guarantee, I know now, that that's because I was close to the Lord. Paul describes that peace this way. Philippians 4, we flick to the next slide, Jake. Um, he says this. Paul says in Philippians, Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. In those situations I had a peace that surpassed understanding meaning a peace that, a peace that doesn't make sense. Yeah? doesn't make sense to be going through this and not be in bits. doesn't make sense to be going through this and not be shattered instead to feel okay. Instead to feel whole. It's a peace that surpasses understanding. And Paul is kind of putting stuff on the line for us there. We can read it and just think, oh, that's encouraging or whatever. But he's basically saying, he's basically challenging us. There's two ways you can live. Yeah, you see the first one here is like, either you can be anxious about anything. You can be anxious about things. You can choose to live with anxiety about what's going to happen, what's going to happen to you, where you're going to get your money from, what's going to happen in life or whatever. He says, or the other way you can live is by everything in prayer and supplication, but thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Two ways you can live. One way, you can live in your own strength, in your own anxiety, in your own stress. Or the other way is you can pray about everything. In any situation, you name it, whatever the situation is, your money, your family, like, like problems you're in, you have two choices. One choice, live in it, be anxious about it. Second choice, pray about it. That's what he's saying. And here's the promise that God backs up in his word. He says, the promise is this, but let your request be made known to God. And what's going to happen? The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Promise isn't in everything pray and everything will change and all the situations will be fixed. The promise is pray about everything and you'll have peace in the middle of the situation. Your, your, your mind and your heart will be guarded. How many of us would like the peace of God to guard our hearts and to guard our minds? 
like, like the peace that surpasses understanding, peace we haven't figured out or schemed or scammed to get. But just because we've chosen to put our burdens on him, just because we've chosen to trust him in it, that he promises that he not only takes that stuff, but he gives us something instead. He gives us his peace. You can be anxious about things, or you can pray about things. And if you pray, you get the peace. And I don't know, I don't know why, why we choose anything else, yeah? Like I, like I said, like I'm Christian my whole life, and I don't know why this is a long lesson to learn. Like in some situations, eventually you get to the end of yourself and you bring them to the Lord and then God moves in and brings you peace. You're like, why didn't I do that day one instead of day 200 and something? Why have I been, why have I been living with this stuff? I'm not, I'm not fully sure why. I don't know whether it's our own independence. I don't know whether it's like us just wanting the, the glory for figuring out something ourselves. I don't know whether it's like the enemy's attack. I don't know whether it's the world saying, no, here's what you do, here's what you need, offering stuff to us saying, this will satisfy and we, 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 we buy it for some reason. But instead of praying about everything, we just go about scheming and scamming and trying to fix things ourselves. When we know, you know, if you're honest with yourself, it doesn't, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Really what we need is to be close to Jesus. And what I'm trying to say is that the thing that's stopping you from having peace is not, it's not circumstantial. It's, it's positional. It's not the situation you're in. Rather, it's how close you are to God in that situation. I don't know, guys, right? Like, there's a bit of me that's like, these people don't need to hear this. They know, they know that. We know that. But there's somehow, there's some disconnection between the things we know and the things we actually do, yeah? There's a disconnection between the things we, like, if somebody asks you, can God give you peace? Can God do whatever? And you're like, yeah, yeah, I believe that. Then are you at peace? No. Well, what, like, what, what, where's the disconnect between the things that we believe and us stepping into the reality of them, the experience of them? And I, I don't know how to frame it other than it's a, it's a choice. Like Paul frames it as a choice. That every moment, every situation, every morning, every evening, every time of the day, every awkward conversation, every point of conflict, everything that comes into our mind, with, with those, in those moments we have the choice. What do we do with them? Are we going to be anxious about them? Or are we going to thank God? Are we going to pray to God? Are we going to supplicate before the Lord and uh, ask Him that His peace would come in? It's our choice every day. And when you've chosen something other than God, we know how that works out. When uh, the Bible describes peace later on in the New Testament, in Galatians 5, Paul describes the things that the Spirit produces, and peace is one of them. He says the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience. Peace is in there, and it's like, do you get that it's described as a fruit of the Spirit? Like, I, I'm, like I'm not, um, I can't grow apples, yeah, out of my fingertips, because I'm not, I'm not an apple tree, yeah? Like, that's not what I'm, that's not what I'm designed to do. I can't, I can't make apples. The, the Bible like, describes these attributes as fruits of the Spirit, meaning it's the Spirit that produces those things. So instead of us trying to grow peace for ourselves, peace of mind ourselves, he says instead it's a gift, it's a, it's a fruit of the Spirit. So our job isn't to, to grow that fruit or to try to do it. Our job instead is to like, abide in the branch, you know, like Psalm 1, to be planted by streams of living water, to access that, to draw close to God. So that, um, so that that fruit produces in us, to be grafted into the tree, to be like part of the vine, to be the branches on the vine. Like, like that's what Jesus is saying to us. You need to, to come to me. And what we remember in Advent, right, is that, is that Jesus came close to us so that we could get close to him. Like, like if there's anything we learn from the incarnation, if there's anything we learn from like the Christmas story is that God is not satisfied with being distant from the people that he loves. That, that God was willing to go to the ultimate extremes to, to come and draw 
close to us so that we could in turn draw close to him. So the question is, how close are you to Jesus this morning? And I'd wager, right, if I was a betting person, that the same number on a scale of 1 to 10 that you would put for how close you are to Jesus is the same number on a scale of 1 to 10 you could put for how at peace you are right now or what level of peace you've known. Because it's closeness to Jesus that, that brings that peace. How aware of you are, are you of Jesus this morning? Because the more aware you are of him, the more aware of how great he is in comparison to your problems. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to make your problems small or say like you should get over those things or whatever. What I am going to say though is that nothing compares to the greatness of Jesus, the creator and sustainer of all things who offers you his peace. And our eyes need to be opened like to beyond like the size of our problems and we think they're this big and we look up and we see that, that Jesus isn't even just like a little bit head and shoulders above that stuff but Jesus is incomparably greater than anything that we face. Like how aware are you of the greatness of Jesus? How aware are you of that, that Christ lives in you and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world? How aware are we of that this morning? Because that's the thing that's going to bring our peace. It's not our circumstances that determine our peace. It's our proximity to God, our closeness to Jesus. And I don't, I don't necessarily even just mean your closeness to church, right? Because you can be close to church and not close to Jesus. I don't think you can be close to Jesus and not close to his church because if you're close to Jesus, he'll want you close to his church because that's his bride, that's his body, that's what you're meant to be part of. But you can be close to church and not be close to Jesus. Take it from me, I'll, I'll, I'll spend my whole life around the church and I can be distant from from God, yeah? You can replace intimacy with God for religion and ritual and all like surface level stuff. But, 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 but you know when you put your head on your pillow at the end of the day, like whether all of this stuff is like just pretense or whether you're actually relying on God, whether you're actually intimate with God, whether you can actually like say that I know that God knows me by name and he loves me and I know that God wants to give me his peace and I know that God has hope and a future for me and I know that whatever circumstance, whatever situation I'm in, God is right there with me in the middle of that and when we know that our perspective changes and peace enters in. We need to be close to God. We've been made one with God because of what Jesus has has done. We've been reconciled to God. And when you're at peace with God, you can know the peace of God. Yeah? How do we get it? We draw close to him. Um, Jay, if you put up like the the final scripture there, Jesus gave us some, uh, some instructions. Matthew 11. Here's what he says, right? He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle, I'm humble in heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's simple. Jesus is is making you this offer. He makes us this promise. Come to me. If you come to me, if you join up with me, I will give you rest for your soul. Again, I will give it to you. Not I'll help you figure it out or I'll help you like know the steps to take. It's like, here, come to me and I will give it to you. He says, like, to, to take my yoke upon you. We, we know what a yoke is, yeah? Like, in, in Lesotho, when we're over there, we still see, like, they don't have, like, most people don't have, like, farm machinery. You still see, like, big cows with, like, this wooden block that ties two or three of them together, and in between, they're pulling, like, a plow or they're pulling a cart or something. The purpose of a yoke, of joining two things together, is the, the idea that the strength of two is better than one. Something that uh, something can't pull by itself. You tie it together with something else and now the thing can be pulled. Yeah, the weight is half or the weight is easy. Jesus is saying, he's saying like you're pulling some stuff that you're not meant to pull by yourself. And you know what it feels like. You know the struggle of trying to move forward and you just can't, you can't move 
that thing. You're, you're weary. You're heavy. You're heavy laden. There's something like weighing you down, and you can't. You can't move. You can't. You can't get ahead. And he's saying, here's the offer. He's like, partner with me. He's like, he's like, yoke, yoke up with me. You know, they're like rugby players. You know, when they go into the scrum and they're like, there's like power in like them being connected together. He's like, join, join with me. Be yoked to me. He's offering that so that he can carry the strain that you're not meant to carry it by yourself. Be yoked up with me. But instead, what do we do? We yoke up with all sorts of other stuff. And that's what we're actively doing. Instead of coming to him and being yoked up with him, we yoke ourselves up with, with more money. The solution, to, the solution to being at peace is I just need more money. And so we yoke ourselves up to jobs or to whatever. Or the solution to being at peace is I just need like, some pats on the back for people. So we yoke ourselves to people's like, approval or to whatever. Um, or we yoke ourselves to substances. Yeah, like People think we just need peace. Well, like I find peace by like, taking this thing and it's going to... And we, we connect ourselves. We join ourselves up. And it's not exactly in this context where the New Testament talks about. It's talking about relationships. But the principle is there. He says, don't be unequally yoked to something. When you're actually meant to be yoked to Jesus. He's talking about a Christian and a non-Christian. Don't be unequally yoked. Because if you had like two bulls trying to plow a field. And one wants to go that way and the other wants to go that way. Nothing is going to happen. Yeah? You're going to be at a a standstill. But it's a principle across every aspect of our lives. What are you yoked to this morning? What's the thing that you put your dependence on? Where Where are you actually relying on finding strength from? Where are you relying on getting through what you're facing from? Is it your own schemes? Is it your own plans? I want to tell you that they won't work. And even if they do work, there'll be another problem the next day that you're going to have to figure out instead jesus says you can just come to me he's offering to be the one that that you're yoked to he's offering to be the one who'll help you carry the weight and he says when you do it he says my yoke is easy and my burden is light yeah why because his shoulders are bigger than yours yeah and you find that he's he's the one actually carrying all the weight when you're doing and he says and here's what happens and i will give you rest for your souls i will give it to you rest for your like your soul speaks like your emotion speaks of what's going on inside you, you're, you're, you're being, imagine just being at rest in your soul, because you know you're not carrying stuff by yourself. I want to pray for you guys this morning, I want to I wanna pray that, um, I want to pray for the courage to step into Jesus and the determination to do it, and I want to pray that even this morning you, you experience what it is to like, just unyoke yourself from other things and be, be joined up to Jesus and I'm grateful to God that I don't just have to preach this sermon like aspirationally or like out there because like I'm not, haven't been in that place. I told you there's been times where I've had peace that passes understanding. And then in the last year, we've just been, I've been closer to the Lord this last year, thank you Jesus, than I think I ever have been in, in my life. And one of the ways it's worked out is Noel and I meet each morning to pray, 6.30, every weekday morning we're praying. And, and can I tell you that some mornings like I'm waking up and I'm like half hoping Noel doesn't show up in the house, you know what I mean? And I can just like fall back asleep on the couch or it's like tough to get up at six in the morning and when like, you'd probably get up for six for work anyway, but I don't, right? Like get up at that time and then like work into the night or whatever. Um, it's like, it's, it's been tough. But I found myself, these words don't even do it justice, right? But Noel will tell you repeatedly as we've been praying, I just found myself saying to God out loud, you, Lord, you're enough. And, uh, and to say he's enough makes him, make, here's why I don't think the words work, because it's like, it just sounds like he's just, he's just enough. Like if I need to be leveled up to there, he's just enough. But, but in that, if when we watch that video, the Shalom, that's, that's what my heart is saying, yeah? He's saying, Lord, you're, you're everything. You're, you're the wholeness of everything. And I'm a guy who I love achieving things. I love doing new things. I love the feeling of standing over a day's work and feeling satisfied and that. But, but here's what's happened is like in the mornings before I've done a tap, intentionally before we've done anything, we found it, I found myself in a place of saying, God, you're, you're enough. 
like actually if all of if if all of life if all that life got to be was like this 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 moment of knowing who you are then that I'm completely satisfied it's like moments of of fullness of satisfaction detached from having to achieve anything or do anything or whatever and uh and our prayer has been for you guys has been for the church of extending that that you would find your satisfaction in him when you've been striving for relationships or jobs or money or whatever the things might be that you'll come to a place of just being not like God is enough like I'm resigning myself oh, I'll just settle for God and oh my God is infinitely more than the things that we think we're looking for the things that we think we need God offers us something so like incomparably greater than that and it's not just like a logical thing it's not something I can even convince you of that's why I started off by praying the Holy Spirit would do it and bring you to a place and knowing that he actually is enough because when you leave that space in the morning or you leave this space here then you have the choice of knowing am I going to step back into my own anxieties or worries or am I going to live out of the place of knowing that God is enough of knowing that God has made me whole of knowing that God and God alone satisfies my soul in a way that nothing else can and Lord I'll, I'll pray over us today um Always, wherever you're seated, let's, let's bow our heads. And, uh, and I know I've said that this thing is a choice, right? And it's a choice daily to enter into the peace of God. But there's this moment now and there's a choice now to, to, to come before the Lord and to, uh, and to say, I want it, I want it, Lord, to confess that you, that you need it, to confess even before the Lord, Lord, here's all the ways that I'm, I'm trying to get peace. Here's all the ways that I'm trying to do it and uh, here's the things that I've yoked myself to, here's the things I've agreed to, here's the things that are bringing me pressure, the things that I've been walking with instead of walking with you. And, uh, and a point of, of repentance, a point of changing our thinking, a point of turning around and saying, Lord, I just want you. And if that's you in your heart, as I pray, would you, just, would you pray the same thing or whatever the words look like to you that, Lord, I, I reject the things that I've yoked myself to, Lord. I reject, Lord, wanting the approval of man. I reject wanting, Lord God, Lord, money. I reject storing up treasures and life in this earth, Lord God. I reject the things that I've striven for and the things I've partnered myself with. And instead, Jesus, I choose and I ask and I accept that I can be partnered with you. And I take your yoke upon me. And I know that it's easy and it's light. And I know that you're gentle and you're humble, Lord. And I ask that you would give me rest for my soul and I choose to receive your rest right now even where you're at just say Lord I receive your peace I receive your shalom I receive your wholeness this morning Holy Spirit would you move like you've moved in my living room and Noel's living room and just impart it Lord that, that peace that passes understanding that, that fullness Lord that connection to the streams of living water that, that we just know that I'm satisfied in you I pray that now you would release that into our lives, into our hearts Lord that we would get to taste it Lord God and the taste would cause us to return to you and grow in deeper and deeper relationship with you Lord God cause us Lord to turn our eyes upon you to look full in your wonderful face and let the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and of your grace. And I'll pray over your people. I'll bless you this morning. I'll say, the Lord is going to keep you. He's going to bless you. He's going to cause his face to shine upon you. God will lift up his countenance upon you. And here's how this thing ends each week, and we mean it intentionally this week. He will give you his peace. He will give you his shalom, the wholeness, the fullness, the satisfaction that comes from being a child 
of the living God. I bless you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.